Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Sorted Retail Sessions podcast. I'm Dan Greenall and I'm the Marketing Director here at Sorted Group. So in the Sorted Retail Sessions podcast, we tend to get to grips with what with the usually hard to reach insights from all areas of the e-commerce industry. Uh, we've got previous episodes uh, with conversations from senior leaders uh, from brands like Very Group, Music Magpie, Party Delights, but also leading publications and leading um, organizations from around the ecosystem like Retail Week uh, and Retail Trust. So today we're chatting all things carrier logistics, uh, delivery and sustainability with James Lovett, who is the UK GM at PAP, and that's PAP with two A's. James heads up the UK division of PAP, which as you probably know, is one of the most exciting and fast growing carriers in the global delivery space focusing on setting a new standard for flexibility and sustainability in the last mile. So thanks for joining us today, James. Looking forward to chatting. Thanks, Dan. Great to be here. Awesome. So let's start by uh, you helping us understand a little bit more about what PAC's all about, if you will. Sure. Pleasure. So PAC has been going now for just over five years, and it actually started out of Barcelona. Uh, it's a Spanish company, uh, but now we have multiple countries and multiple divisions of the business, and we're spread throughout Europe. Our biggest markets are Spain, France, and the UK. I've been with the business now three years since its inception in the UK, and ultimately we're a tech, uh, a tech-driven carrier. So. Technology is at the core of everything that we do, and we are a technology business, but we also physically carry the parcels. Um, so it's a combination of the innovation that tech can bring, uh, whilst also the A to B of parcel delivery uh, is all done by us. Um, as a network, we're spread across multiple cities in all the countries that we operate. Here in the UK, we started in London, and this year we spread to Manchester and Liverpool, uh, as well as about to launch in Birmingham. Two of the things that makes PAC different to others, apart from technology being uh, the centre of everything that we do, is that for us, there are two fundamental drivers of the evolution uh, of logistics and last mile deliveries, which are convenience and sustainability. And for years now, we've been banging the drum about these two most critical words as pillars that we all should be looking at as to how this sector can evolve. Um, convenience is, is all around being customer centric. And by that, I don't mean giving customers an expectation of when things arrive, but giving them the control over the time of when they arrive. And of course, we've all seen that happen with grocery deliveries due to the nature of perishable products uh, inherently requiring a greater first attempt success, which is where time slots became essential for that sector to operate. Recently in bulky deliveries to enable that to happen as well. But why has ambient small parcel goods not been more customer centric around time slots? And when you combine that with the sustainability objectives that we all have a responsibility to address, we've been able to create some innovative approaches in that area too. 
Cool. Well, that's, that's, that's really interesting, James. So I love the point you made around the customer centricity. Uh, and and obviously, um, you know, that's that's kind of at the core of, of what we do here at Sorted as well. Um, why, why, why is delivery experience such an important thing? You know, what, 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 what's, how does, how does delivery experience and sustainability come together? Why is it so important for customers? Okay. I mean, first of all, yes, we're very aligned, sorted and pack in our, in our values and, you know, our sort of methodology, I suppose, in, in, in what the market needs to do. Um, as well as Manchester, right? Manchester is renowned for doing things differently. And, and I think yeah. that also is in the DNA of PAC that, in fact, you know, we like to disrupt the status quo. We like to look at the way this game works and flip the whole thing on its head and, and say, instead of it being built around what's most convenient for the carrier because it helps keep costs down and, you know, makes it easier for the warehouses to fulfill or the retailer to bring things across different borders, that if actually you're able to pivot everything around the customer first and what they want, then magic can happen. Um, and that magic, you know, manifests in a number of ways. Um, but a big fundamental part of that is first attempt success, which I touched on before. Now, first attempt success was initially about how to make a customer's experience better. Why do that? Well, you know, we've all invested so much in sort of the brand and retail space in, you know, creating amazing products, ensuring they are made aware of to the, the broadest possible market, um, and then creating an amazing shopping experience on our websites, right? Um, especially pure play retailers who are able to devote themselves entirely to optimizing those experiences. But it's crazy, isn't it, that that last part of the customer experience, which connects them with their product, is often overlooked and it's almost like the standard is acceptable when the standard is not serving the customers and, and by that I mean you know first attempt failure rate of 30% I mean first attempt success of 70% for ambient small parcel goods that's something that requires real real focus on how we can improve that that then has an inherent uh, effect on the environment okay so perhaps the two can go hand in hand and we can end up creating models which aid the customer experience as well as the environment. And um, yeah, so I think that we, we need to find those recipes um, and importantly that delivery experiences are considered with the same or even greater importance as we do our site shopping experiences and the development of the product at the early stages. Yeah, it's fascinating. We could probably end up having the, the entire subject of this conversation focusing on delivery experience. We, we, we've recently kind of done a, done a piece of work internally and we were looking at pretty much that whole part of the journey that you just articulated there. Um, and you know, we look at stats around what's happened with the pandemic and everything, right? And so one of the stats that, 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 that we're looking at was that, you know, uh, a lot of the big brands, a lot of the big retailers, they've, you know, they've increased e-commerce and digital marketing budgets by 86 percent mm -hmm. in response to the shifting consumer behavior i.e more going online but yeah it still feels like there's there's this big gap in the whole experience that happens the minute that you've gone past the checker and it's it's almost like right that's that's when the lottery starts of where am i getting my updates from where do i need to be you know what what happens next it's 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 amazing how much opportunity there still exists in that space right yeah, absolutely. And there's so, <clears throat> so much then in terms of the outcomes. 
and being able to understand the opportunity cost of not doing something, not, not just the opportunity uh, results of doing something. And WISMO, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the most common CS ticket. And in some cases can account for 40% of all CS tickets received. If we can just try to improve the visibility that we're giving customers, but ultimately the control of the delivery that they're getting, um, then we can we can see some immediate benefits within the retailers, um, CS teams, and, and so forth as well. So the writing's on the wall in that regard, and I think it, it didn't need the pandemic in order to show that. But when you look at the end of 2019, everyone was still focused on fast, right? Fast delivery, and that being the, the main thing everyone's going for. Now it's not so much about fast, and actually some of the metrics coming out of you know consumers wanting to see sustainable approaches to delivery and returns uh, in ways that, that they're not yet, and that being more important to them even than speed or cost. But it, as part of that, you know, we then have 24% of consumers saying they're not willing to pay more for it. So then everybody is focusing on, well, let's, let's take a bit more time to deliver it. See, for me, it's more about revolution than evolution. Okay. And I think that there's so much still that's going on around what are the consumers saying and what, what's the consumer demand. And there's, there's a level above that or, or earlier than that in, in the value chain, which is planet demand. What about planet demand? Okay. And consumers are lazy. Consumers, you know, will often ask for things without considering the impact of what they're demanding. And, and I think that when we look at consumer demand as a yardstick for innovation, it's too slow. Consumer demand is evolution. We need revolution. We need radical action. And innovation happens the other way. Innovation is where Apple turn around and say, we're going to develop the iPhone. Not because we've got loads of consumer groups who are designing it, but because we have innovators who are designing it privately and ready to change the game. This is exciting, right? And I think that if we look at the evolution of customer demand from sub 10% probably, in terms of it being the most important thing to them, pre-pandemic, within two years, that's tripled to like 32% now. That's still not the biggest chunk, right? It's, it's not more than 50%. But you look at the planet demand, we need to do everything the consumers don't realize yet, yesterday. So. We'll come back to the planet demand piece because I think that's a really interesting point. But something you said in there um, is, is really pertinent. So you said um, consumers are lazy, right? So so um, a few days ago, uh, when we were recording another episode of, of, of this this podcast, we we had a, a guy on who's um, got some kind of specialism in, in neuroscience and neuromarketing. Okay. And so the, the, the kind of the great quote that came out of that conversation was the brain is the ultimate slouch. Okay, so your subconscious mind uh, is always trying to shortcut, short, shortcut for pleasure or a positive experience. Yep. And so when you when you know when you're thinking about some of the points that we talked about a few minutes ago in terms of you know the final mile and how actually things can go awry in that part of the journey, a couple of those things happen for a brand or a retailer. Then the conscious mind kicks in, subconscious mind gets overwritten. Consumer has to make a conscious choice. Consumer has to be rational and go, right, okay, that was bad. This looks better. I'm going to try it over here. 
And so it's simple stuff, but when you lay it out like that, it, it's it's quite fascinating. And the Apple example is a great one, right? Because no one woke up in the morning and said, actually, I don't want buttons on my phone anymore because they're bad. You just It's laziness, right? It's This is just nicer. I like this. Exactly. I think you're absolutely right. You know, How do we find the neuro-linguistic programming approach to changing an industry? Um, because that's that's what's needed here. And I think that looking so much at consumer demand as the reason to do things not only does it mean then that you're slow and you're playing catch up you know skate to the puck and all, the, all those kinds of expressions which are synonymous in all tech innovation that we've seen in all sorts of different industries um but you know even that you're looking at now the comparisons that consumers are making and you're right they have the choice now and, and if if you're not offering it as a retailer you can bet that a, a competitor will be or is about to and that ultimately then it's about the choice to the retailer of, you know, the carriers that they're utilizing um, and what's coming through that's a completely different approach. So, so let's, let's talk about sustainability for, for, for a minute. Um, so, you know, talk about innovation, consumer demand, is it there yet, is it not, don't know, retailers, operations. So we think about sustainability being a key kind of part of your, your, your kind of ethos and vision for, for pack right who who needs to take the lead in charge on that do the retailers have to have to kind of do more is it for is it for players like you guys or or is it consumer demand Where, where's that real push going to come from do you think well as I, as i've been saying about consumer demand being an evolution i think that in you know it's sped up during covid and we've seen you know, triple in terms of some of the, the metrics coming out of surveys. But none of that has been a motivator for PAC to be doing what it is. You know, the, the innovation comes from what we think is right for this industry to be moving in the right direction and where we think consumer demand will be in years. So it's about being ahead of that curve. And I, I think that innovation comes from supplier end. Okay. And that... There's another sort of uh, responsible party, though, in the value chain, and that's government. You know, and we've just seen the British Retail Consortium go to the government about needing to do more from the top down. You know, they've just reduced the incentive to consumers for EV purchases, right? And there is certainly not enough being done in terms of infrastructure investment. You know, if the same budget was being spent on EV infrastructure as it is on HS2, we'd be heading more in the right direction. And I think that all parts have responsibility, okay? The consumers are making a conscious decision about where they buy from. But actually the biggest reason that's holding consumers back is a lack of information. There needs to be, when it comes to the consumer end, more information being made available to them about the purchase they're making. And we can see Shopify coming out with a you know, carbon conscious specific shopping environment. We can see Amazon enabling the scoring of products at the checkout, right? And it's enabling those decisions to be made upstream by consumers. How can we make that more widespread? Which is ultimately initiatives by the retailer and driven by the retailer. But from a carrier perspective, there is an inherent responsibility for the physical movement of goods and transportation overheads, and I mean overheads when it comes to carbon and emissions, right? Not cost. However, what's holding back a lot of that and the reason that there continually is this, yes, but consumer demand is there and it's there, 
is that carriers are also lazy. <laughs> and that if you have an opportunity just to service more volume by multiplying what is dirty, then that's what we've seen happen far too much during the pandemic. There's more parcel volume. So rather than let's take this as an opportunity to think about how we can build better, let's just build as quickly as we can what we know and are comfortable with. Growth starts at the end of your comfort zone, right? And I think that we all need to get a little bit uncomfortable with how we're approaching these, these models. Um, so I absolutely think it, it starts with the government, it starts with carriers innovating uh, and not resting on their laurels. And, and I think that retailers as well, you know, we've seen um, evolution in the retail sector of multi-channel, seeing e-commerce come through for over a decade, but it's only really been the pandemic that has prompted multi-channel to say, whoa, we need to do something radical here in our e-com sector. And look at what's happened with the pure plates, right? It's the same now in, in the approach to delivery experience. Um, and I think those who take more of an e-com digital only approach and on the carrier side, more of a customer centric and planet first approach, that's the experience that we all want to have in the years to come. Do you think there's ever, or do you think there is at the moment a trade off between delivery experience and a really good delivery experience and being sustainable and being eco friendly? Um, I think it's the opposite. It's the opposite and they go hand in hand, right? I think, what's a good way of saying this? Sustainability is synonymous with optimization, okay? The first thing we can all do is reduce the first attempt failure rate. And that's about giving customers more control, more visibility, and that carriers are able to more reliably stick to the expectations that are set early on. And that if those things happen, then we can see demonstrable improvements to the environment as well as the customer experience just by doing the job that we should all be doing better now, which is delivering the first time. Then beyond that, there's so much we can do with local fulfillment centers. I mean, you know, Accenture on the one hand report about if things continue as they are, then last mile delivery sector for urban is going to increase its carbon emissions by 32% by 2030. So increase in relative terms. And yet, there are some clear things in the same report from Accenture about local fulfillment hubs enabling 17 to 26% reduction. So this is just to do with the basics and geography, right? In order to at least mitigate the growth of the sector that we're seeing. Um, beyond that, it's then just about optimizing all the way through the chain and reducing the steps and ensuring, of course, that we're all leveraging technology as much as we can. Yeah, and, and, and I guess it's it goes, you know, to your point about, you know, in the answer to the last question about who 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 should be driving it, right? The retailers obviously have got a massive stake in that. But I think, I mean, you could you could so, so the trend for um, or the increasing trend for shipping from store, which broadly fits into 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 what you just said around kind of local fulfillment. You know, is that that is that something you, you see um, kind of happening more as as more retailers kind of wake up? consciously to, to, to kind of sustainability and sustainability demand um, and, and is that something that you feel like the carriers are, are, are kind of equipped for and ready for? Yeah, I think it's definitely one ingredient to the recipe and there are many. But of course, if we're all trying to 
ensure that stock isn't having to go as far geographically in order to get to the customer. If there's a way of knowing that something is held in stock in a store and the customer is living within close proximity, then logic dictates that we'd be able to find a way to fulfill it from that store. And there are an increasing number of multi-channel retailers that are enabling that. However, there is still a surprising number who lack even the ability of their e-com system knowing which stores have which stock. So there's still stuff that goes back to what I was saying about multi-channel properly becoming of the digital age and the digital transformation that needs to happen. Make sure your site, all the SKUs, you know, are known in terms of where the stock is located. Then the rest of it is about, yes, carrier capability to collect it from multiple sites, but there's an emerging number of, of carriers that are able to do that. And I think that if you're, if you have a combination, if you have a combination of the, the warehouse collection, uh, enabling all SKUs, but then perhaps for the more pertinent products and the more popular products that are uh, uh, stocked in store, being able to fulfill those within the city, then that's one ingredient that is, you know, all of the parts are there. It's just a matter of putting them together. Yeah, agreed. Interesting stuff. Uh, okay, you changed tack ever so slightly. Um, so coming back onto the onto the innovation point, in your in your kind of view, um, what what's the most advanced final mile market out there at the moment? Who's who's doing it the best? Who's innovating? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I, if I may, it's a bit subjective. Um, so I think, you know, from my opinion, I'm a little biased. Okay. And there's so much to do, but I do have a lot of pride in, in what's happening in the UK, actually. And I think that there's a lot that's coming through, um, which is world first and world leading. Uh, I think that when you look at the numbers, um, it's, it's perhaps not as impressive as, as we'd like at this point. For example, over in the US, you've got, you know, Amazon and Rivian talking about 100,000 EVs that have been purchased, right? And there's custom vehicles that are rolling out. Here, there's similar approaches being done, um, but the numbers are far, far smaller and over a longer period. Um, you know, there's, there's great innovation um, in the UK and the US, and uh, I think that they are in, in many ways leading the curve. However, from a consumer standpoint, places like Norway, right, far higher EV uptake, willingness to pay more for it, right? In Germany, there's a higher uptake of, of PUDO, uh, click and collect type models, um, because they are, are more open to, to the changes required for sustainability. So it's, it's a bit subjective based on your lens, I suppose. That if, if the lens is on the emergence of electric vehicles, then you could argue that the US is probably leading right now, at least in its intent, perhaps not enough action. There is definitely a, a, a big uh, uh, sort of chasm between intent and action generally. Um, but then in terms of consumer demand and willingness to pay more, Scandinavian, European markets, Germany, I think, are, are way out in front. Um, Asia? I think there's some really exciting things happening, but the data on consumers there is uh, a little trickier to get right. Yeah, I think I think um, I think I think the the kind of Scandinavian examples are, are, are fantastic, aren't they? Um, so it's almost last question from me. Um, the and and you know, bit a bit of a not necessarily a curveball, but um, we've covered a lot of ground here, so it's almost putting you on the, on, on the spot now to kind of name, 
name one thing. So um, for e-commerce retailers, um, if you could kind of ask them, tell them, help them uh, fix one thing right now as a priority, what would it be? There's two parts, if I may, to my answer. Yeah. Measurement and visibility. That any good approach to sustainability has to start with measurement. And we can all be talking about what we need to do to reduce our impact on the environment, but seldom truly understand what it, they are doing to the environment right now. And I think for retailers to be demanding their carriers to measure every aspect of impact to the environment that is happening when those products leave the warehouse between there and the customer, the retailer has a responsibility to understand that measurement criteria and the carriers have a responsibility to measure it. I think then providing that visibility to consumers, ensuring that there is clear visibility of the impact of, uh, to the environment of products that are being purchased all the way upstream at the checkout. Perhaps we'll soon see a way of being able to determine one product to another and whether the environmental impact is lower, not just based on the way that that product is manufactured, but the mechanism by which it is fulfilled and distributed. This I think is the key next stage in order for us to then accurately as an industry define how we are able to accelerate the reduction. Yeah, I like it. It's a good answer, good answer. Cool, so, so this is the question that uh, I ask everyone at the end of one of these sessions. Uh, it wasn't on your on your prep notes, so apologies. No <laughs> um, worries. I, I, I like the uh, I like the in, in, the sort of put me on the spot improv stuff. To go for it. I feel like I built you up then. The questions really really. <laughs> so, so so the question is whether you have whether there's anyone that you think will be really really interesting and worthwhile um, having on the podcast. So any any anyone that you admire, anyone you think's got a really interesting point of view that you think we should be talking to in one of these sessions. Well, I, I I'd have to tell. In the EV space, in the EV space, uh, A. Thomas. Um, if I can just remind myself of his full title, hold on, because it's changing all the time. He's the founder of Green TV Media, um, and is very, very um, widely connected when it comes to all things electric vehicles globally, but but with a special focus on UK. Um, so A. D. Thomas, A. D. E. Thomas um, would be my my vote. Awesome. Okay. I mean, I've got a list, but, uh, <laughs> but that would be the first one that springs to mind if you're not speaking with him already. Perfect. Okay. Well, we might we might we might come come back to you for that list offline. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Perfect, James. Look, it was great speaking to you. Um, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks. Absolute pleasure. Take care. That's it for this episode of the Sorted Retail Sessions podcast. We've got loads more awesome guests lined up, so make sure you subscribe and follow to keep up to date. And don't forget, the discussion continues over on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook too. Find us at Sorted Official.